2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Welcome to the show.
3: Welcome to Miami, everybody. We just watched... (laughs) <laughs> we
4: went to Miami.
3: We went to Miami. We watched Max Verstappen win the race. It's John Massacos sitting with Bob Varsha, Jonathan Green, and Les Kaiser. And we got Chris Medlin out walking around for us with the microphone. But, gentlemen, what did you think of the race? Let's start with you, Bob.
5: I thought it
6: was a great
3: first effort for Miami. Um, you know, all the...
6: Gloom and doom, I think, was overstated at the beginning, before the race started, when the drivers were saying that the the track surface wasn't going to allow them to race. I think we saw a lot of combat out there, uh, and certainly a pass for Max Verstappen to take over the lead early in the race, which he never gave back. A lot of different tire strategies playing out. Um, Some pretty wild collisions out there. I thought it was a good race.
3: Jonathan, Max
4: Verstappen came right out of the box and uh, had a great start. He had a great start, but I I feel that Ferrari dropped dropped the ball. Um, They had a chance. They weren't as fast in a straight line, but they didn't use their strategy. Um, I think um, I I felt like Leclerc let him by, did not close him down or or, or try to stop him from overtaking. He did make a a slight swerve as they came alongside each other, and maybe he was thinking, I can't swerve again, but uh, it just seemed like a a very ordinary pass. It wasn't hard fought, Um, but Verstappen, again, you cannot take anything away. Superb drive. I mean, Senna was the street master, and Verstappen is not looking like a Senna yet, but these are the sorts of performances on a day when, let's face it, yesterday he said, I don't know what the limits are, because I made a mistake in qualifying. Uh, I haven't had enough track time, and to put on that performance, outstanding. That's a great point.
3: Yeah, unless he had the least... He had the least laps of the weekend, I think.
7: Yeah, yeah, he had, you know, practically zero uh, time on Friday. And so for him to wind up getting back up into the front was just absolutely phenomenal. And so, you know, that that's something. But, uh, you know, i got to highlight, uh, you know, I called it a couple years ago, Alex Albon getting uh, pulled up to Red Bull. Well, they may be second-guessing themselves on this because Alex started off in 20 Spot for the grid, made it up to tenth. I gotta call that the driver of the day. Oh, there you go. I can't
3: argue with I that. I think
4: Ocon. For me. Okay. Yeah. Agree. I mean from the back to eighth. Uh yeah. Pretty pretty impressive. I mean he was nowhere. Jonathan, what about your
3: co-commentator from last week, Willie T? Willie
4: T, I love the fact he 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 uh, drew on Muhammad Ali, saying every day is Christmas when you're Muhammad Ali. But I would prefer to say I think if uh, Verstappen knew his history, he'd say, yeah, I did float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: yeah, it's. Uh, I think that battle between uh, George Russell and his teammate Lewis Hamilton was interesting too. There was no, uh, you know, no quarter asked or given. Obviously, they didn't want to collide with each other, but they switched places several times uh and i you know that was george asserting his place as a young driver needs to and um you know they've still got some work to do but right now george russell's getting more out of the car it was a good drive for hamilton but not like the the drama we're used to seeing out of him like brazil last year coming from the back of the pack to get up close to the podium it's uh yeah, it's going to be an interesting season. It is. I'm going, to,
7: I'm going to say that was a bad strategy call on Mercedes not to make the call from the wall telling Hamilton to come in for the tire. They offered him the option, mm-hmm. and he turned around and said, Ask them, and they just kind of let it die on the vine right there. Yeah, that, uh, That's the, the
4: difference, I think, uh, of, of from Hamilton of old, demanded things of his team, made the strategy calls. He's not doing that. You tell me, he said. Yeah, and well, it's Engineer
6: Bono, but responded instantly when he said, you tell me, okay, we're staying out.
7: Yeah, yeah. And I think that was a bad call. There were 16 laps of tire life between uh, between Russell and Ham. Russell having the fresher tires, Ham being in front, he was going to lose that spot to Russell no matter. So why not do it under the safety car, you know, bri- abbreviate your loss and come out on fresh tires potentially to get it back. I think that was a big miss.
4: And I don't want to be dramatic, but, you know, Russell's line as he came into the pits, great stuff, guys. We saved another weekend. I I just feel like, and Bob, back me up on this, if you will, uh, you see the the, the sort of uh, between teams, you see the team turning to the guy who's got the best chance of winning the most points. And today I think we saw that Russell is the man that is going to keep Mercedes' hopes alive more than Hamilton
6: right now i think i'd have to agree um russell went to great lengths just a few weeks ago to say that you know lewis hamilton is a seven-time world champion he holds every record in formula one for wins points podiums polls what have you um but this is not the kind of race car that hamilton wants under him and russell is able to deal with it you know he represents that new generation of young drivers and as you point out it you know if mercedes is going to make as much as they can out of this season they're going to have to make the call soon to get behind george russell
3: Jonathan, has that car look we see lando norris's car right in front of our window here yeah it i mean
4: i wouldn't say uh, I, i'm happy it happened but it did change the complexion of the race thankfully because we could have had a pretty boring wheel you know a, a race with no real incidents and of course <laughs> Typical pundits. We predicted, oh, it's going to be chaos here Mayhem. With, the, with yeah, with the no grip and yeah. you know offline, you can't overtake. It's going to be lots of crashes and lots of safety car. No, didn't happen.
6: Yeah, yeah, but it was amazing though in that collision with Pierre Gasly, how the uh, the tire came completely off the new for 2022 18 inch rim.
3: Yep. Yeah, the carcass came off, didn't it? Mm-hmm. It just rolled on down the track, and then
6: the wheel itself came off the the hub. It was. Uh, It was a pretty amazing accident, and Lando was lucky to get away uninjured.
3: Hey, we have a couple of post-race penalties coming through here. Ricardo gets a five-second penalty for leaving the track and gaining the advantage, so he drops to 13 behind Stroll and Sonoda, and there's another penalty that has no impact because it's for Magnussen. Five-second penalty for him for causing a collision, but since he retired the car, there's no penalty points.
4: Yeah, um, I I mean... What's your take, boys, Um, on Miami? I think, for me, big success. Yeah. How can
3: you call it? I mean, it's a huge success. I don't know if you call it a home run because the race was just good, not fantastic.
6: Well, uh, for me, I think the pictures that we're looking at right now on the international feed say it all. Uh, Mm -hmm. In front of the statue of Dan Marino is a (laughs) spectacular podium. And a massive crowd. I'm glad they allowed the spectators to walk around on the racetrack to get to the podium. It's going to look very much like that incredible scene we see each year at Monza. More
4: importantly, we've just seen a Spice Girl kiss Christine Horner. Wait, that's his wife. <laughs> that would be his wife. Yeah, there you
3: go. <laughs> and Victoria, the, shots of, the shots of the crowd out in front of that stadium from the drones or helicopters or whatever, they look amazing. From that standpoint, The event itself, a home run. Yeah,
6: it's a spectacular track. Not in the same way as, say, a Monzo with the old, um, you know, oval track, elevated turns, and, and not like Spa with the tremendous rise and fall of the track through the Ardennes Forest. Or like Monaco with its rush through some of the most elegant uh, neighborhoods in the world, but you know that's what you want in Formula One. We don't want to start eliminating classic races. We want a schedule with everything everybody could want. Everybody can have a favorite race so different from anybody else's.
7: You know, I got to say one of the things that caught me. I got to ask you, Jonathan. So some of these turns and even one of the chicane's under the bridge were really tight. And, <laughs> uh, funny, funny image
4: there. Yeah, yeah, we're looking at. Uh, pulling on his Dolphins helmet. It's not a Dolphins helmet, it's a
6: Pirelli helmet. It's it's like the Cowboy hat that Circuit of the Americas every year.
3: Nice touch though.
4: Ah,
7: Gridiron, let's do it. They've uh, they've decorated football helmets as the Pirelli (laughs) livery there but Jonathan with those tight U-turns and the tight chicanes with with obvious uh, circumstances or what a does that remind you of Macau in any way, how snug it got?
4: No, because Macau is so much, um, it's nowhere near as wide uh, as this particular circuit. But, um, yeah, there were some aspects of it. You're absolutely right. Visually, definitely, with the cars going over the, the ramps and so on and so forth. Um, but, no, Macau, I mean, Macau has a long straight, but just the one. And the rest of it, it's really a half-and-half half Macau. But, um, yeah, I can see, I see where you're going, uh, absolutely. Visually, definitely uh, has some overtones of Macau. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I just, you know, generally speaking, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with, with the way Miami have put on a racetrack in the middle of a city, in the middle of Dade County, um, you know, uh, quite, a, quite a feat. Well, New York couldn't do it.
7: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say that, you know, it was fantastic just because of the consequences of the missed turns, uh, you know, any overtaking issues, things like that. You know, uh, we saw Ocon with a 58G hit. Into the wall uh, before the race. That is uh, not easily shaken off, and he still rocked it during the race. Yeah. And so uh, the consequences are there. Thankfully, uh, seem to be safe even with the 58g.
6: And I think um, you know a tip of the helmet to uh, Pirelli as well for the tires they developed for this circuit with no previous data to go by, and um, a, a, a track surface that was a bit of an experiment in terms of its composition. So they had no idea, you know, how the tires would perform. And yet we saw no tire related problems that I can recall. There were no punctures. Um, you know, the, the problems that, uh, that uh, Lando Norris had colliding with Pierre Gasly were, you know, were basically on track incidents when Gasly pulled back on and didn't see Norris coming up from behind him. But I think Pirelli did a great job getting ready for this race. There was a good gap between the three different types of tires that drivers had to choose from. And, um, you know, the truth was in the telling.
3: You know, we've got some clips here. And I want to, first of all, we're going to go to the Andretti clip here in the next segment. We're going to save that for the next segment. But, but we've got, we ran into lots of folks <laughs> in the uh, over the weekend. And and actually, one of my one of my favorites is when we talked to Paddo Award, Jonathan. Why don't you set this clip up?
4: Yeah. I mean, Paddo Award, as we well know, is a, an effervescent fellow in IndyCar. But he's also got a foot in each camp in many ways because he is part of the McLaren setup for their IndyCar team, but also has a test contract and will be testing their Formula One car uh, and has tested as a, as a bit of a joke. He won in Indy and Zach said, if you win it, if you win any races in IndyCar, I'll Give you a test in my formula one car and he said right sir and therefore duly had a test at abu dhabi but now (laughs) it's got serious and both he and colton hurter are on mclaren's books effectively to drive uh the formula one test or test the formula one car over the season and he said it'd be a couple of months but this is what he had to say basically about being here and effectively having a foot in both camps well, we are moving and grooving around Miami and Speed City has caught up with one and only Pato Award, a local to us, because he kind of hails occasionally from San Antonio. But uh,
8: Pato um, how are you, first and foremost? I'm good, man. Enjoying the, the fabulous weekend that we're having here in Miami, man. It's crazy to see the interest and in, in so many people. Just so excited to be here.
4: You're one of the few guys who really does have a foot in each camp because you obviously drive uh, for McLaren, but they have a huge Formula One team, and you're going to do some testing. And you've already had a chance. To, I saw you myself last time uh, in Mika's car from '98. Um, but what
8: is your role? Give our audience, the American audience, a chance to see you outside of Indy. So, uh, honestly, what uh, what Felix and I are doing here is hot laps. We're we're giving the VIPs uh, an experience in the McLaren Sign Seven in the 720s' around and. Uh, Man, the track is really cool. It's really cool. It's very fast, but then there's very very tight sections. Uh, they feel very tight in in the McLaren in the McLaren 720. So I can't imagine how slow they feel in an F1 car. So is it you that's pulling up the track? We hear that the track is is being delaminated. No, that's not me. Because I okay. just I just started driving today.
4: <laughs> but on a, on a, on a, another note, so hot laps here for fun. Yeah. Um, but what about with McLaren officially? Yeah.
8: So. Uh, I just got here today, so I haven't really had uh, much time, rather than just do the laps. Um, but uh, I'm, you know, I'll probably sit in in one or one or two debriefs uh, to see how they're doing. I haven't really been up to speed on, on how it went yesterday. It didn't seem like it was amazing, but it doesn't seem terrible either. So I think they can have a good qualifying today. Hey, I want to ask you. You said that at the excitement level here,
3: but don't you think that this excitement level brings kind of that rising
8: tide, lifts all boats? It's got to be good for IndyCar, good for everybody. Um. I, I, I think it's good, uh, but I think it's also really hurting, IndyCar, because um, everybody knows what F1 is now, and everybody wants to go to an F1 race now. And in IndyCar, it's they, they need to watch it. They need to up their game. Um, and it's not to talk down on IndyCar or anything, but um, they are not doing close to enough to what they have to be doing because F1 with just having three races in the U.S. is already... Uh, more than double or three, t- I mean, it's massive. Everybody knows what F1 is and, and, you know, sadly it's not the case with IndyCar. When will you get your hands on uh, a fully blown Formula One McLaren car? Ah, that'd be fantastic. Hopefully in a couple of months, that'd be fantastic. Uh, you know, I, I'm i curious to see what this new car mm. feels like compared to the one that I got to test in Abu Dhabi. Good point. Yeah, how was that test? I, I to you since. <laughs> no, it was awesome, man, the, the car is quick. Uh, so much downforce and, um, Just so fun to drive. What Uh, you expected? They were actually very easy to drive. Uh, They're probably one of the easiest cars I've ever driven in my life. Um, Maybe not so much for the neck, uh, but you know, knowing what you need now and and having the neck strength, they are very. The cars do everything so perfect um, that it's, you know, you kind of just have to wrap your head around that the car can do it. Once you do that, the thing just planted.
4: Finally,
8: month of May, how are you set? Looking forward to the 500, man. It's going to be a full. It's going to be full of people, the energy. That's, that's the one race around the year, one of the only races around the year where we truly feel like superstars. So I'm really, really pumped for that one. We'll be watching. Thanks for Thanks, talking,
3: man. To us. Hey, Jonathan, I guess the thing that
4: struck me the most about that was what he said, of course, about IndyCar comparing to Formula One.
8: Yeah, and
4: I, I actually agree with him in many ways. I, I'm a big fan of IndyCar, but uh, when you think that the IndyCar series finishes in September, pretty much, um, Formula One's still going on uh, almost into December. So it's a year-round 23 series versus what is a smaller championship. Um, uh, all right, being marked, obviously, by the month of May, but uh, and the Indy 500, which no one disputes is the greatest spectacle in racing, but he's right. They've got to up their game. Yeah, it's like we
3: were saying last night over dinner, you know, the Indy 500, you feel like a superstar. And then the next week, you're like, you're completely off the map. Yeah. So,
6: Well, I bet IndyCar teams would love to have the traditional 250 to $300 million Formula One budget.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's true. <clears throat> All right, gentlemen, let's do a very quick break, and we will come back and continue to break down the race. We'll try to catch up with Chris Medland, and we've got a couple of interviews, and don't forget we have an exclusive with Michael Andretti to talk about his global Andretti Global F1 effort. You're to Speed City Live from Miami back after a quick break. Hey, guys, we are very excited to welcome our new sponsor, All Brewery, to Speed City. These guys make a fantastic beer, and I'm going to let Jonathan talk about it, but I'm going to tell you about it when I tasted it. I am not a big beer aficionado. I like a nice cold beer, but I'm always worried about a craft beer or a new beer that it's going to have a funky taste, especially aftertaste. This beer was fantastic. I have absolutely no uh, no qualms at all that this is my new favorite beer. But, Jonathan, you know why, what makes it so special, the water and the recipe?
4: Well, yeah, I mean, these guys have de- done their research and do it right, and they've even imported the right water to do it right. I mean, it, it, I tell you, this all beer, fantastic. And I'm, uh, you know, most Europeans are snobs about their beer, uh, and I, I'm, I'm definitely one of those. Because You're definitely a snob. Yes, about my beer. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Because there's no question, carbonation has always been my issue here in the States. It's over-carbonated. And our lagers, our pilsners and lagers in Europe, um, uh, especially German ones, are not that heavily carbonated. And that's a, a key thing. And that's the first thing that uh hit me was just how well they've done the beer uh it's based out of fredericksburg it's uh it's, it's got a great tie-in because obviously fredericksburg a german town and now they've got a texas german beer and it's cracking yeah
3: and the uh the facility out there it's amazing they've they've really done it right it's really
4: fantastic so so check it out, you can get it at all the local H-E-B's and everything else, right? Yep. Uh, it's around all around Texas, you can get it. Uh they sell it in uh, uh on on the shelf there as a Texas beer, but uh, I'll tell you what, you're in, right back in Germany when you drink it. And it's Altstadt Beer, a l t s t a d t beer.com.
3: Altstadt Beer, a l t s t a d t beer.com. Talk
1: 137, the right choice.
2: Hi, this is Max Steppen,
3: and you're listening to Speed City.
1: Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio,
3: Speed City. All right, welcome back to Miami. We're here for the Formula One Grand Prix, the inaugural Miami Grand Prix. And one of the things we have been all thinking about is the Andretti Global F1 effort effort, and what's going on with that. (laughs) And Bob Varsha and Jonathan Green got to catch up with Michael, and... We had a little microphone issue, but we're going to play this and then we're going to let you guys kind of fill in some of the gaps because this was a very fascinating discussion, some answers that I've never heard before. Let's hear from Michael Andretti. Has a timeline
0: changed as a result of the length of time it's taken to get anything out no, of I mean help make the pie bigger, what's on with that?
6: Mayor was working for you um, that must give you a real perspective on what it takes to put together something like this oh uh, yeah I mean the,
0: the size and the enormity of this what, what had to be done was just uh, incredible you know and uh, yeah I, it, 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 I could tell you from you know our things that we've done which are you know hundred times smaller than this uh, you know take a big effort so you know to see what they were able to pull off here is, is, is amazing well enjoy
4: the weekend Michael just one, one other question Just a quick question about having GameBridge here, your sponsor. That must help your quest, having such a presence here, which is your sponsor. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think uh, GameBridge
0: is a huge supporter of ours, and they're a huge supporter of racing. And, uh, you know, uh, it it could definitely only help, you know, to have them. They were one of the first sponsors to sign up uh, for this event. And, you know, they're supporting the 500, they're presenting sponsors. Have any of the teams supported you sort of the opposite of what teams are saying in a negative direction? I would say we're, we probably have about support of five or six teams. I think uh, you know there's just a couple that uh, uh, are making the big noise, but, uh, but yeah, I think.
3: All right, well, sorry for the microphone issues there, but there's lots to talk about in there. Bob, you asked him right off the bat mm-hmm. about where they are and what's been done so far, and he talked about that they've already been spending money and doing things, yeah, right?
6: They're, they're moving forward with the project as though they were going to be uh, approved, and Michael was here working this weekend with the FIA yet again. I don't know what's taking so long since it appears that Michael has the funding in place to be a, uh, you know a real Formula One team. And as he said, he's he's hiring people. They're they're scouting locations. They're cutting engine deals. They're they're doing what they need to do to be ready. Um, I would say he's cautiously optimistic that it's it's all going to work out. It's it's just frustrating, I'm sure, at this point that uh, you know he's ready to go, but he can't get that that final okay. So I asked him what his timeline was. When does he need to know by if he's going to make his own deadline of being on the grid in 2025? Uh, and he said, you know, September, October of this year will be time enough.
4: I'm going to take my British hat off here and channel my inner Texan. <laughs> I'm fed up with all of this. I'm fed up with how dare they, Toto Wolf and Christian Horner, start talking about franchises on the one hand, and then when the biggest sponsor in America, the headline presenting sponsor of the Indy 500, Dan Taurus Taurus, was here this weekend, as was Michael, as was Mario, the greatest driver of all time, talking about their project to be part of Formula One in the biggest market in Formula One. I've been part of Formula One for 30 years now. All we've ever said is, if we could only get into the American market, that's where Mercedes are. That's where Red Bull are. That's where all these blue-chip places are. And now you're going to tell Mario and Michael Andretti they're not welcome? Forget it. (laughs) They're not good enough.
7: Here's what I think that is. I think it's a little shaking in the boots. I I agree. I uh, I think they realize there's a team coming in that's not going to be the back of the grid trying to finish a race. Mm -hmm.
4: And how dare they call Haas a a real North American team? We want a real North American team. Gene Haas is one of the greatest team Uh, owners in NASCAR, in America, the biggest market for motor racing in the world. Sorry, I'm on my high horse.
7: There you go. (laughs) Didn't know they had horses. Anyway, (laughs) but you're right. I mean, I uh, I don't think it's exactly what he's saying there. I think he realized that an Andretti is not going to come in and be a back-of-the-grid team.
6: Yeah, I think well, that Michael's wow. record as a team owner in all the various forms of motorsport he's in, including Australian supercars and Formula E and uh, Indy cars and on and on and on, um, he's a competitive force. I mean, his
3: his record speaks for itself. Well, Jonathan, I'm glad you did that because a few weeks ago when Toto and... Yeah, you said the same. I was like, I was just like, are you, are you seriously? Like, really? You're, yeah. you're going to say no to, to Mario, you know? What he said in there about the same the cliche we've all been saying about rising time we yeah. But but it is so true. They're talking about that pool of money. What does that pool of money look like when you
4: have an end ready and all the sponsorship that comes with that? Go back and look at the quotes from the press conference on Saturday of the team managers and the one that stands out the most is the man who cannot lie, our Austrian German friend Gunther Steiner, who said what do we need to dilute this further? And that is because Haas has while they've got house automation, they're, Andretti, if they come into Formula One, will bring a lot of blue sp- chip sponsors, starting with Cambridge, and that's just the start of it. Michael has got uh, you know teams in Formula E, in Australia, in V8s, in Enduro, uh, what's the the endurance championship that Bob does? I mean, they are everywhere. They're in Indy Lights. There, I mean, yeah. come on, this is Andretti Autosport, one of the biggest motorsport teams in the world. They make they make the Mercedes team look small. And you know what? Michael Andretti is, is not
3: going to go away no. until they absolutely just force him out. And, I, you know, he w- it was very adamant from the day that, that they didn't get the other deal done That this was going to happen,
4: Mario might dust off his suit. (laughs) Uh,
7: Don't make me put this. He's still got a license. (laughs) Don't make me put my (laughs) racing suit on. That's it,
4: Les. I Uh, do. I really do think, though, that that Formula One is playing a little bit of a game with Michael, uh, and they're pretending that they don't want him. They really, you know, frankly, if they actually look at the all boats rising theory, they're all going to gain. They're all going to gain. More exposure in America means that that solidifies the fandom here. It's not just going to be Netflix. It's going to be a real Andretti team that we're behind, and a Haas team, and a Doralton-owned Williams team, and a Zach Brown-run American, and an Otmar Safmar team. This is an American franchise owned by a a, a Colorado American company.
3: Get get with the program, folks. Could it just be that Formula One is doing what Formula One is really good at, is making sure they're dot every... I and cross every T and and fill out every single form and make sure everything is perfect before they move as forward. As the
7: as the racing body, yes, I think that's what's happening. As Toto and Christian, uh, no, I, I think, quite honestly, not trying to dramatize it, but quite honestly, I think they have a right, a reason to be concerned.
4: When Oracle came into Red Bull for 150 million, no one bat an eyelid. Uh, I think it was more than that,
3: wasn't it? Wasn't it like $500 over five years or something? It was a massive, massive number. Yeah. So, yeah, and and look, we all know that Toto and Christian Horner both know exactly what we're saying about the Andretti name and and what the sponsorship dollars that will follow and what that will do, the top line. I mean, the value of all these Formula One teams now has just skyrocketed since the Netflix
7: effect. Okay, and furthermore, forget the teams. For a moment, FIA, or uh, Formula One has just invested $250 million <laughs> in, in real estate in Las Vegas <laughs> to make the race happen. They didn't just rent it. They bought it. <laughs>
3: What? that's? I need to find out the details. What They, they didn't buy the Las Vegas Strip, obviously. Well, no, they did 39 <laughs> acres at, near the Strip,
4: but
7: yeah. apparently there is. Yeah, apparently there's 39 yeah. acres uh, just off the Strip a little ways.
4: It's the Elvis Wedding <laughs> Chapel that's going to have to go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, well. Which one? They bought
3: all the Elvis, all the wedding, Elvis wedding Chapel? Yeah, there you go.
7: Uh-huh.
4: <laughs> all right, gentlemen, well, let's get a
3: quick break in, and we'll have lots more from you from Miami here. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back
7: after these messages.
1: Austin's Talk 1370.
2: Hello to everyone. This is Gunter Steiner. This is Speed City. Welcome
1: back to the fastest hour in radio. Speed City. All right, Welcome back to the
3: show. We're live in Miami. And Chris Medlin has been out being a busy boy and grabbing some interviews for us. And... I think I want to play this interview that he did with Otmar Sefnauer and a head of the Alpine
9: team. And let's go ahead and play that clip now. Otmar, thanks for joining us. Double points finish. Did you see that coming at the start of the race with where Esteban had to start from?
10: Uh, no, no. Uh, we did plan for a few safety cars, though, and uh, we thought there would be even more than there were. Um, so we, we planned to go really long with Esteban, hard tire, go long hope for a safety car at the right time it kind of played out for us and uh yeah for him to finish go last eighth is pretty good yeah and, and the car looked pretty competitive fernando
9: made another great start but was involved in a few incidents as well i mean how worried were you on the pit wall with some of those
10: yeah the, i mean the one with gasly we're a bit worried uh you know anything can happen there um to me you know maybe 50 50 there gasly did leave the door open and closed it quite late but uh, unfortunately, Fernando suffered a five-second pl- penalty for it, but at least the car wasn't damaged, so he continued. When you see that, though, and then you have uh, Schumacher and Vettel
9: coming together, and, and no further action taken on that, or you have Gasly and Norris's collision, no even noting of that. Did it surprise you how harsh the penalty was for Fernando?
10: Yeah, it, it did. It, you know, um, there is a bit of inconsistency there, and al- although Fernando and Gasly, you know, were, were racing, uh, it didn't. Uh, uh, it didn't destroy Gasly's race. It didn't put him out. I think I think Norris and Gasly came together, and uh, nothing was done. So, yeah, a bit frustrating. But walking away from here, happy with double points and impressed by what you've seen from Miami? Yeah, I loved it here. Um, you know, the most important thing is that the fans uh, enjoyed it, and uh, we put on a good show for them, which I believe we did. And next year, they all come back. Thank you. Cheers, everyone. Yeah, pretty
4: hard to argue with that last part. I think the fans did But, Jonathan, what do you think? Do you agree with him about the, the penalties? Yeah, I was surprised. I mean, uh, Gasly caused the incident with um, Norris. And I, if I was Zach Brown, I'd be pretty upset uh, that uh, that Norris' potential point scoring uh, race was perturbed by, effectively, an incident that could have been avoided by Gasly. He yeah, made I a agree. mistake.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. The, uh, I thought that one definitely required a penalty. I mean... Casley went off track, came back on, and, you know, wasn't, he didn't have the car pulled together. He wasn't ready to accelerate away. He was just kind of wobbling. Um, and then uh, Norris had nowhere to go, and we all saw what we
7: saw. Well, and we just saw it on TV, watching Vettel do some swerving in the braking area, uh, really just getting he, – he moved more than once, which is allowable, crowding Haas. And then they had contact two turns later. I wonder if that wasn't overly aggressive on Vettel's defense on that.
6: Well, you can't move more than once. I mean, you get one move mm-hmm. to take away the piece of racetrack your opponent wants to get, but you can't make a second move. I mean, you can act, but you can't react to what the car behind is doing.
2: The me,
7: that? Go ahead. Yeah, to me, that was something worthy of a penalty. I like Seb, but that, uh, that potentially took points out of Haas's hands. Mm-hmm. Well, Chris sent us
3: some other clips, and it uh, looks like we have one with Chris and Alexander Albon, so let's hear that one.
9: Alex, you've got a smile on your face, you've got the red hair back, and it's delivered once
4: again.
5: That's what we, t- that's what we said. Didn't it? I-, I said, red diet will come back, the points will come back, no upgrade is necessary, it's just hair. Well, you- you've absolutely nailed
9: that, but oh, I get the feeling you did some work behind the wheel as well. How was the race from your perspective?
5: Yeah, it was, it was-, it was a really good race, I don't know. You know, it's not a surprising one like Melbourne to me because we were in the top 10 pretty much the whole weekend and it was only till qualifying that we, we weren't there. And it was really disappointing qualifying, you know, to, uh, we were really frustrated about it. And, um, you know. <laughs> Thank you very much. And there, uh, yeah,
9: we got it, so happy. Well, it looks like a lot of very happy people around you. You've done a great job there, Alex. I'll let you celebrate. That was a great drive,
6: picking up eight spots during the course of the race. Albon's doing some great things with the Williams. And let's remember, George Russell did great things with the Williams, and look where he is now.
4: Yeah, I'm really pleased for Albon, I must admit. Um, He he comes across as being almost too nice for Formula 1, which is a typical Thai uh, thing. You know, if you know Thai people, they are some of the nicest people in the world. Um, And he is that, very polite, very soft-spoken. And I always think in Formula 1 you've got to be a little bit edgy. Um, But he's managed to swim in the Sharks' tank. Uh, very well, and has survived till now, and is picking up points for a team, like I said, who have been scant of that of late. So they're going to be pleased with him, very yeah, pleased.
3: Yeah, chewed up and spit out by the yeah. Red Bull machine, and look what he's doing. That's and I great. Think,
4: I think the likelihood is Latifi will go after given plenty of chance, and I think Albon will stay, and I think you are looking at a potential ride for somebody at Williams on the way up. Yeah, and you're right about him being soft-spoken and super nice. We, we sat down with oh, him yeah. at Coda. I
3: guess in 19. Yeah. And I, I was, honestly, I was kind of worried about that. I was like, he, is, he seems so timid. Mm-hmm. But you don't get to this level without having a massive competitive fire, and he showed that today. And huge ability, yeah. Yep. All right, we've got one, another clip from Cl- Chris. We've got a couple more. Let's see. what are we. You know what, let's go to, he's got a clip with Marcus Erickson. <laughs> so, yeah, let's hear that.
9: Marcus Eriksson, thank you very much for joining us. Now, you've got a unique perspective on this race. As someone who's raced in Formula 1 before, been to new circuits with Formula 1 and new Grand Prix, but also now races in America, what did you make of what you've just seen?
11: I thought it was a pretty good race. You know, it was uh, maybe a bit boring there in the middle, but then uh, the safety car definitely spiced things up. But uh, I think overall, you know, that there was some racing going on. There was some fighting, especially in the midfield. So maybe not the best race I've ever seen, but definitely not a bad one.
9: And what about the whole event you've been here for the weekend or saturday sunday and you told the team when they offered you only a friday pass no 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 i need to be here for two more days
11: yeah exactly it seems like everyone has tried tried to be here this weekend and it was yeah it was tough to get a pass but uh, they managed to give me one for the weekend and no it's been it's been really fun to be to be back in the paddock you know i haven't been in the f1 paddock since 2019 and this uh, this race definitely is, is a bit you know over the top compared to to normal weekends i'm sure for everyone but uh, it's been a it's been a great uh, great spectacle it's been great to be here and sort of feel the atmosphere i think it's been really cool to see for f1 you know as a whole the bus that they have now in north america for, for me living here in, in in north america i can feel how much people are talking about formula one and you know adding miami and adding las vegas i think is uh, is really getting the sport to to really boom now in in, in america
9: yeah and there's a lot of indycar drivers here this weekend actually should we round you all up and, and go for a race out there now
11: yeah i mean why not <laughs> bring it on uh i think you know yeah it's funny to say that it was like more than half the indycar grid i think was here this weekend so it's uh yeah like i said everyone wanted to be here and see the first race and i think you know no one goes here away from here disappointed i think it's been a, a great weekend of racing and uh you know everything else has been going on
9: slightly random one but tom garfinkel said he reckoned they could maybe host a, a race event sort of the week or two after the grand prix in future before they took everything down Do you reckon IndyCar could be that race event? Do you you think it would be a good fit down here?
11: I think so, yeah. I think, you know, we race on tracks similar to this, I would say. Maybe a bit more bumpy and tighter than this place. Uh, But drivers still seem to complain it was too bumpy and and, and stuff like that. So I think we could put on a really good show on a track like this and and a place like this. So uh, why not, yeah.
9: Yeah, you heard it here first. Let's have some IndyCar in Miami. Marcus, thanks very much.
11: Thank you, bud. The city of Saint Petersburg
4: just t- t- took a large, right. deep breath. <laughs> I feel, but uh, I'm with Marcus on this one. It reminds me, in terms of the frenziness of it, in terms of everybody wanting to be in Miami this weekend and the celebrities, you know, yeah, well, who's who. When
3: when uh, ex Formula One driver, current IndyCar car driver, has a trouble getting a ticket, yeah, you know, this is a popular event.
4: But it reminds me of of that paddock today. Reminds me of Imola. It's very tight, and it is a who's who. Everybody wants to be in there, and. And, uh, or all Monaco uh you know it's that you got to be there you got to be there doesn't matter what you see doesn't matter if you just see a corner of a car
8: you got to be there
7: well you know and we made a joke earlier you know there might have had enough indie car drivers here to run an indie car race after this <laughs> yeah <laughs> but good on Chris for asking that question though
4: yeah they haven't I wouldn't want to be doing PR for Indy right now because they're going to have some <laughs> yeah. long long conversations <laughs> mm,
3: with <them>. yeah, maybe <laughs> sports
6: cars would be a better idea
3: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> You know that's a really good point, though, Jonathan. There's probably a lot of conversations going on at IndyCar right now. I mean, Bob, don't you agree that these guys are—they—they—it are, feels like Indy is reeling a little bit. But I guess it's just because there's so much momentum in F1, or is it just—is that a misconception? I think, you I think IndyCar is in a good place right now. It, it, it's
6: probably comparing apples and oranges to compare it to Formula One right now because of the resources available to Grand Prix racing. You know, the worldwide profile that indycar frankly doesn't have a lot of people abroad follow indycar certainly in the month of may when we go to indianapolis but um you know it, it, they're they're two different animals completely and um and i don't think indycar suffers by comparison with formula one it's just it's different
7: i, I think there's a level of respect now that we've seen a peppering of uh, drivers go back and forth between the two uh You know absolutely they're different but uh, the respect level I think you know considering the budget uh, but uh, skill I think is being respected more and more between the two
3: you know and think about it a couple of years ago three years ago when F1 was struggling you know the whole reason we have these cool cars now right F1 was struggling in IndyCar you had, you know it's still this way you didn't know who was gonna win in any given weekend Mm -hmm. uh, but the the actual racing was so much better at the time and that's been fixed. Last year yeah. was an epic season in Formula 1, and so far this season, it, it's pretty darn good. I mean, it, I don't know. It could easily end up as good as last year, but, but, uh, but well, yeah.
6: I think a common theme between the two series is the arrival of the new generation, you know, the young drivers. And in IndyCar's case, a lot of those drivers are coming from abroad because they couldn't realize yeah. their dreams of being Formula 1 racers. And, you know, and it sounds like black humor, but back when drivers were were getting killed every year in Formula One, teams would come back with new drivers. But now the drivers are in very safe race cars and have long careers and make big bucks and and want to do it as long as they possibly can. uh, That doesn't leave any room for the youngsters. Now, gradually, you know, the the George Russells and the Lando Norrises are coming into uh, Formula One and having an impact right away. And by the same token, you know, the, uh, the um, Rena's VKs and the uh, Alex Palau's and the Pato Awards and the Colton Hurta's are making their way into IndyCar. Look what they've been able to do with that series in terms of raising its profile and creating great races.
3: Yeah. All right. We've got to take our last break, but we have some really interesting t- clips to play for you. We've got one from Chip Ganassi. we got Jeff Gordon. And we also have one that Chris Madden did for us. Uh, Rose Capito from the Williams CEO, so we've got all of that coming up right after this break.
4: to know where the path to Formula One and Indy begins, it's three simple letters, VRD. VRD Racing of Atlanta, Georgia are dedicated to nurturing young, single-seater drivers on their quest to the pinnacle of motorsport. Having just wrapped up the team's championship title in 2021 in the F4 US Championship, they also have programs in FR Americas, the all-new USF Juniors, and the Road to Indy. VRD is the perfect environment for success. To join the team, drop them a DM on Instagram at velocity underscore rd.
1: Austin's Talk 1370.
2: Hi, this is Mario Andretti, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City.
3: All right, welcome back. We are live in Miami, Florida, basking in the glow of a highly successful weekend. And still in awe as I look out the window of the booth and see the giant Hard Rock Stadium. It's really amazing.
4: I, I think if I were the head of the Miami Grand Prix, I think I'd, I'd, I might just sort myself a, a Cuban cigar for tonight. <laughs> I bet
3: you could find one here in Miami, no problem. <laughs> All righty. I'll well deserving. <laughs> what you say, Les? Well, let me know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I know you like a good cigar. All right. Well, Chris Medlin uh, was out getting some clips for us, and he got a clip with... Yost Capito, who's the William, the new Williams CEO. And, Jonathan, as you were talking about during the break, this is a very different Williams team than Claire Williams was involved in. Yeah, I
4: mean, Williams have gone through an and, amazing And Frank, change. of course. Yeah, but, of course, yeah. yeah. They've gone through an amazing turnaround in the last couple of years in terms of Williams, uh, both Frank and obviously Claire, giving up the reins um, to effectively Donaldson Capital, uh, Capital, who have brought money in and have reinvigorated what had been a team that I think scored two years ago, no points. Um, So, yeah, they're back and Williams, if if you go back as far as me and Bob, um, are well aware that Williams were the all-conquering williams Renault team of the past uh, and they're looking to regain that. So, yeah, I I think this is a new uh, time for them Uh, and Jos Capito, uh, to me anyway, uh, I don't know him, but sounds like the kind of guy you need.
3: All right, well, let's hear from him. Let's hear
9: from Jos Capito. Jos Pito, with a smile on your face because you scored points again today and I just grabbed Alex for all of 45 seconds before he's mobbed by Williams team members Uh, and he's very very happy but also said that it's not a surprise because the car was that quick, I mean, were you impressed with just how quick you've been
12: all weekend? I think the race pace was very good in the last races So, and he was very good in the free practices which just had the issue in qualifying that he didn't get, uh, not he, with us all together we didn't get him the temperature in the right right, uh, window that they worked and then you mess up qualifying so but then we knew that the race pace is good and uh, and then you know but if you want to get in the points from that position you have some mess ahead of you what what can happen so you have to be stay out of this and Alex did a fantastic race so stay out of everything being fast defending attacking whenever it was needed so he did a fantastic race
9: is this one almost more satisfying than Melbourne in the way that I guess you did something very different in Melbourne to pull off that result, but here it does seem to be kind of almost a more traditional fight through the field
12: with maybe a more competitive car across the race distance? Yeah, I would say in Australia was uh, without having a mess ahead, so I think that was even more satisfying than it is here because we wouldn't have got the points on merit, but in Australia we got it on merit and uh, yeah, because we had a clever strategy. I think here we had also a good strategy, but it was more a regular race than in Australia. So if you get unmarried points on a very unusual strategy, I think that's the optimum of satisfaction you can get. You must still be leaving here very happy though. And what have you made of the whole event, the first visit to Miami? Yeah, I think the whole event is absolutely outstanding. It's the whole week I arrived Tuesday night and it, it started and never stopped, isn't it? The whole vibe that you have in the city around formula one and around the circuit and when you see all the different fan zones what went on there and and how the people were celebrating how they enjoyed the racing it's just so fantastic to see so we're really looking forward to come back next year i bet you are especially with points on the board so yeah yeah, yeah. okay if you can add points we are always coming back
9: <laughs> just thanks very much thank
12: you very much all
3: right gentlemen let's hear another clip that mr medlin has done for us, and he caught up with the team principal for Alfa Romeo, Frederick Vasseur.
9: I've got Fred Vasseur right in front of me, holding a tray of ice creams, which is unusual. Um, and I'm going to steal one. I'm not going to. I'm not even going to be polite. Uh, that's a long day for you, serving ice creams at the end of one where you picked up points as well. Now, uh, man of many talents. Uh, before my ice cream melts, I'll get some questions in. Uh, mainly, is that. A decent race to pick up some points or disappointed with Valtteri's
13: error that dropped him behind the Mercedes pair? No, at the end of the day if we are uh, behind the top six I think it's a good result with the the rest like it's happened for sure that uh, at one stage we are p5 and I think without the safety car we would have finished in the worst case scenario p6 but it is like it is that sometimes it's going to us sometimes not and, uh, and at the end of the day I think the pace was uh, more than strong over all the, all the weekend and uh, we have to build up on this and I'm more than pleased with the result. What happened with uh, Joe at the start? We just heard his radio message. He had a very strong start because he overtook Russell and then Ricciardo and uh, and then we had a water leak and we had to stop the car.
9: Uh, it looks like he's had a bit of bad luck in a few races this year. He's had somewhere he's made mistakes. Kind of almost a classic rookie season start, but have you seen positive signs from Joe?
13: Yeah, yeah for sure. I, uh, it's, for me, it's much, much, much better to to do the start of the race like he did today with a good start overtaking Russell and fighting with the Ricardo and so and then to have an issue we have still 20 races to go or something like this and with this kind of uh, uh of performance we can build up something for the rest of the season and I'm uh, more than pleased with the job done so far it's something
9: you said to me after Imola was you weren't going to set targets in terms of positions but are your targets more like we want to be fighting
13: for points at every single race well, yeah, clearly, because the target with Valtteri is to be in Q3. When you are in Q3, you are sco- uh, fighting four points. And I think the same with Joe, because Joe, now we can be not far away of P10, P12 in quali. That he was P6 in Q1 in Imola, that uh, P8 on Friday, that uh, he's showing on some occasion that the pace is there. Now we have to be a bit more consistent, and on our side also to avoid the mistakes. But uh, it's more than positive, also. And just finally, how have you enjoyed this weekend? Because it started with you on a stage with thousands of fans shouting your yeah, name. It was mega that, uh, from the beginning to the end, that uh, from Wednesday that uh, to tonight. No, no, I think it's a, a mega step forward for the F1 at the end because that a show like this, it's uh, it's the first time that I saw something like this in my business. But uh, the grid was mega, the, the, the atmosphere was uh, at the top and the race was not too bad, but uh, no, at the end of the day, I think it's also a good uh, reference for all the other events. And it's like this that the, the F1 will step up. Yeah, well, Fred, thanks very much for your time. And you've, you've lost out on the ice cream though so you didn't get one. I can't do everything. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
9: you. So I'm here with Ian Poulter, who is a huge Formula One fan. Now, I know we've, this has been a place full of VIPs and celebrities, but you've been used to this paddock a number of times. What have you made, though, of the Miami Grand Prix weekend?
5: Uh, apart from it being chaos, um, I mean, the paddock's bigger than usual. Hospitality, I think, is is, is way bigger than I've ever seen before. Um, and, you know, all credit for Formula One um, being able to bring a race, you know, another race to America to try and crack the American market, which is, you know, not, not been the best for Formula One over the last two decades. But, um, you know, it's great, you know, Las Vegas, coming on board soon too as well so i mean it's it's, it's been amazing um it's been a who's who down the paddock i've loved it i've had joshua here my son uh for the last couple of days he's
9: he's got four hats on right now and one's mclaren i don't know the pink one is the third one mercedes and the fourth oh okay big mclaren fan uh
5: yeah I've, i've got to know lando really well daniel uh zach brown You know, and all up and down the grid, to be honest, I've got some great relationships with the other teams as well. I collect cars; it's my passion. But um, you know, any opportunity to come to a race, to enjoy it, um, you know, I I always love to take that take that opportunity.
3: Clearly, he's right about that paddock because I have never seen it so packed. It's it's never seen Austin that packed. And I was just be glad that I'm six foot three because I could see over the whole thing, trying to make my way through it. It's I've had to fight my way through the crowd. Well, it is now. you Don't let the, the truth get in the way of a good story. I'm okay? sorry. I, yeah. <laughs> uh,
7: all right. No, it, uh, was thick. We got, it was thick. We
3: got one more clip. We're almost at of time. We've got to play this clip from Chip Ganassi, and we'll talk about that. Let's hear from Chip.
11: Ready?
6: Okay, Chip Ganassi. Well, Chip, welcome to our little dog and pony show here in Formula One. What are your impressions? Well, it's plenty hot, and I've done a lot of walking, and uh, but I'm, I'll tell you what. I, I think it's a... I think for the first time out of the blocks here in Miami, it's a—they've done a great job putting this together. I think obviously any any first-time thing, uh, and the, you know, they could use a tune-up here and there, but I think all in all, it's uh, pretty good out of the box. Is this any kind of a scouting mission for you? Or are you tempted at all by the charms of Formula One? Well, let's just say that I'm here doing some business, and uh, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't come as a spectator.
7: I can do that on TV. Are <laughs> there any names you would prefer to say about now? no (laughs) yeah I had to ask it's
3: true (laughs) so uh,
4: Andretti and Ganassi Uh,
3: so Toto and Christian
4: they're both coming (laughs) oh boy
3: hey somebody asked on social media they said uh, any updates on attendance and we're almost out of time but Bob what'd you hear 240,000 over the three days that is a pretty darn good number us and I think that they in fact they said it they said they limited it on purpose they said they wanted everybody to have a good experience. That's a pretty
4: touchdown right there.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
6: Yeah. Well, I need to get some of the posers out of the paddock then
3: so we can really breathe and move around. <laughs> All right, everybody. We are ju- we are literally out of time. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. It's been a phenomenal weekend here, and we're so excited to bring this to you guys. Uh, don't forget, we also do a weekly Sunday night show on, uh, on local Austin radio. You can go to our website, speedcitybroadcast.com, find out how to... Listen to that. Lots of content. Go to our social media. We do lots of content there. SoundCloud, YouTube, and all the rest. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate you tuning in. We'll talk to you next Sunday.
6: Ciao, y'all. Happy trails. Happy Mother's
3: Day. (laughs)